This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Yo, happy Friday. Back at it. We were off last week because baseball, nonstop playoff baseball here on ESPN Des Moines. I mean, we have had almost every game when we don't have baseball like we've had Drake football. We've had the NFL or whatever. So uh, we have it tonight. More baseball coming up tonight. Is it Yankees and Astros tonight? Is that the uh, the ball game? Astros up 2-0 in that series. I think Garrett Cole gets the ball. You can hear that one tonight. Phillies and Padres tomorrow, along with the Yankees and uh, the Astros right after Drake football. And then on Sunday, we have got another triple header. Like, listen, if you want live sports as opposed to just talking heads all weekend, right here, ESPN Des Moines. We're going to have the Packers and the Commanders coming up on Sunday. And then uh, baseball, both baseball series, the AL and the NLCS right here on ESPN Des Moines. Speaking of Drake, uh, coming up at 1215, going to be joined by Michael Admire, the voice of Drake men's basketball, as the uh, Bulldogs are the favorite in the Valley. We'll talk about that coming up. Someone has requested that I update... Um, I don't know, Kira, you're not often on Twitter, or at least you're not active on Twitter. And I was running a campaign yesterday to get a free jersey on Twitter. Mm. Did, you happen to, uh, did you happen to see the campaign I was running? I, I did. I sure did. Going to talk about that later. Because it was there's some controversy, <laughs> all right, about the contest, uh-huh. which, which I won and lost. There's uh- some serious controversy. Okay? That's coming up. Also, we'll get to the... Uh, the re- there's actual concern about the Green Bay Packers. I'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. And then I'm I'm a little worried about Tua Tugavailoa. But I do want to start with the biggest story on the planet. There were two things when you woke up this morning. There were two stories on your social media that were dominating. One, the new Taylor Swift album. I can guarantee you my nanny, she's 24. Even though she had to be at my house at 7 o'clock this morning to take care of my three kids, I guarantee you my nanny stayed awake till midnight, till the new album dropped, and then listened to all 12 or 20 songs or whatever, watched all the videos. Like, I bet she is tired today. Then again, when you're 24, you can do that. When you're 41, not, not a thing. So the Taylor Swift story was the biggest thing in the world. That is not what I'm going to talk about because that is not what likely dominated your sports social media. Your sports social media was dominated by the fact that Christian McCaffrey, arguably the best running back in football, was traded from the Carolina Panthers to the San Francisco 49ers. And all the talk was how Carolina needed a first-round pick, needed a first-round pick, needed at least one, needed multiple first-round picks. And the trade actually is uh, San Francisco's second, third, and fourth-round pick coming up in the spring then a fifth-round pick in 2024 for the services of Christian McCaffrey. San Francisco couldn't offer a first-round pick because they traded them away to go up and get Trey Lance. <laughs> and we know how that's working out right now. Lance is injured and done for the year. And so when I saw the trade, I woke up, and hopefully in your fantasy league you've either added uh, Duante Foreman, maybe you added Chuba Hubbard, people that are celebrating adding Duante Foreman like they just added Walter Payton. Really make me laugh. You're adding Duante Foreman from the Carolina Panthers. But I digress. So the trade goes down, and I woke up this morning because I do the morning show on Laser here in, in, the, in the city, and I'm up at 4, and I'm, like, scrolling through, and I see this. And I'm like, Christian McCaffrey got traded? Unbelievable. And, and this is probably going to make San Francisco the favorite in the NFC. We're right there with Philadelphia right now. It's certainly not the Bucs. It's certainly not my Packers. And it's certainly not the defending champion Rams. But speaking of the Rams, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, this deal actually came down to one of two teams. It was either going to be San Francisco or the Rams. Carolina had been looking to deal Christian McCaffrey and get as many picks back as the Panthers could get. They spent the week talking to a number of teams. But in the end, Greeny, it really boiled down to the two NFC West rivals who have been 
basically bidding on so many players opposite of one another over the years. If you remember last year, a couple of years ago, the 49ers and Rams both wanted Matthew Stafford. The Rams got him. They both wanted Odell Beckham Jr. The Rams got him. They both wanted Christian McCaffrey here. And basically, in the end, the 49ers wanted him more. They wanted him more. And they got him. And they gave up a second, a third, a fourth, and then a fifth next year in 2024 to bring McCaffrey in. If McCaffrey was healthy all the time, I don't think anybody is second-guessing this trade. But isn't everybody sitting there wondering, well, what happens if and when we know what has happened to Christian McCaffrey each of the last two seasons? What happens when that injury comes and McCaffrey is done for four, five, six games, maybe an entire rest of the year? I mean, this is one heck of a gamble. San Francisco is kind of going the route that the Rams did. And the Rams gamble worked. The Rams have, like, no draft capital left whatsoever. They don't care. They got a ring. They're the defending champs. They can look down on the rest of the National Football League. And there are a lot of teams and a lot of fan bases, like my Packers, and they're, they're thinking, why don't we do that? Well, the Niners just did that. You know, the Niners gave a boatload of money to Debo Samuel in the offseason. Luckily, they didn't deal Jimmy Garoppolo, which was really smart. And now they make the move for, when healthy, the best running back in football. But the problem is, he is not a healthy player. He has not been healthy the last two seasons. So you have pushed all in for the future. And if you don't get back what the Rams got back, and that is a ring, that is a championship, you have pushed all in and you have flopped a busted running back I mean, this team's still really talented. You know that. You know the Niners are really talented. If this trade works out and McCaffrey's healthy for the remaining, what, 10 games of the year, then this is a great move to to go all in to try to get a championship in San Francisco. But I'm telling you right now, man, I saw the trade. I saw everything they gave up, and I thought, boy, that is a lot. And I know my Packers aren't in the same situation. I mean, Jeff Wilson's a fine running back. Aaron Jones is better. You know, they got Elijah Mitchell over there. He's hurt. They've run through about seven. They were always run through about seven running backs over there in San Francisco with Shanahan's scheme. But if I if I was a Packer, or if I was the Packers and I would have seen this deal go, do, go down, I would have been like, man, that's a lot for Christian McCaffrey. Sure, that it, it, if you compare Christian McCaffrey with Debo Samuel, with Brandon Ayuk, with George Kittle, who's another, as you know, injury-plagued star in this league. I mean, those guys right there present all kinds of matchup nightmares for the opposition. I mean, you imagine lining up and trying to figure out how to guard Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, McCaffrey out of the backfield, or in the slot. Plus, you've got uh, George Kittle. That's scary. That is a scary proposition for anybody in the NFC. I think the only thing you can hope is that you play San Francisco late in the year. I'm not going to say you're hoping for injury or we're all banking on injury, but (laughs) you don't want to play that offense, you know, out of the gate. Maybe you do because it's going to take a while for McCaffrey to get up to speed. Now, Christian McCaffrey is on his way to San Francisco as I'm on the air right now at 12 o'clock Central Time. He's going to land. He's going to try to pass the physical. In all likelihood, he will pass his physical, and he's going to get on the practice field. Shanahan has not said if he's going to be using him on Sunday against the Chiefs. But if he does, it'll be like a a red zone goal line package thing. How long does it take McCaffrey to get up to speed? And they are going to use him in ways that Matt Rule should never have or should have used him. Matt Rule decided, Matt Rule and whoever the offensive coordinator is in Carolina decided that this dynamic runner who is incredible in open field, we are going to slam up the middle. And we're going to run in between the tackles. That's not who Christian McCaffrey is. He can on occasion, but he's a guy speed on the outside, catch the ball and go. He's not Saquon Barkley, another injured running back, by the way, often injured running back who is having a very good year this year. McCaffrey, by the way, is under contract through 2025. His base salary is 11 million this year, 12 million the following year, cap hits of 19 million dollars in 23 24 and 15 million dollars in 25 so they don't have to pay him a whole lot this year 
They're not really on the hook for it. The Niners aren't really on the hook of it this year. Carolina has to absorb a lot of that. But what, what a couple of weeks. What a season so far for Carolina. They brought in Baker Mayfield. He up he uh, you know takes the job away from Sam Darnold. Not hard. Darnold gets hurt. Now they're with PJ Walker, I believe. Is he the, the the quarterback of that team right now? Matt Rule gets fired. The fight on the sideline last week between Robbie Anderson and his position coach. They send Robbie to Arizona. Now they trade Christian McCaffrey out to San Francisco. And everybody's wondering about that next piece, right? Especially if you're a Green Bay Packers fan. What about DJ Moore? Well, here's the difference between DJ Moore and all those other pieces. A, you know DJ Moore is special, all right? B, they have paid DJ Moore $19 million. They just paid DJ Moore $19 million. They're not going to pay him to go away. All right? He's 25. He's part of the core. They just got back three picks coming up in the spring to go with the picks they already had. I don't think DJ Moore is going anywhere. I'd love to see him catching passes from Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think that is likely. I'll talk more about what the Packers' realistic options are later on in the show here today. But DJ Moore is that next piece. I don't think he's going anywhere unless the price is so over the top. Something like this. And by the way, can I go back to something? You just gave up all this capital for a running back in 2022. I know it's this running back, and I know he's a special running back, but don't we always say running backs lose the tread on their tires real quick in 2022? This era of football doesn't value the running back. And again, I know it's this running back, and he's a special running back, and he's probably the best running back and an offensive playmaker at running back that nobody else has that will, you know, surely thrive in Kyle Shanahan's system. But I don't know, man. This just seems like a lot to give up for a running back in 2022. It doesn't affect their play on the field this year, obviously, but you're mortgaging the future for a guy at a position that we don't value as much here in this uh, this part of the NFL. Real quick before we go to a break, Ryan Clark was on uh, Get Up earlier today, and he seems to think that adding Christian McCaffrey, this isn't crazy, Ryan Clark says some crazy stuff, but this isn't totally crazy. That adding Christian McCaffrey does, in fact, make San Francisco the favorite in the NFC. I think it does. I mean, the first thing is the NFC isn't that top-heavy. They aren't that great at the top, which is the reason we're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys being a top two or a top three team. Also, think about the way that Kyle Shanahan uses his pieces. Debo Samuel, extremely versatile, can be used in the pass and run. Brandon Ayuk, the same thing. You can use him on jet sweeps. You can get him the ball quickly on screens. Christian McCaffrey is actually exactly the same. And so now you have all of these clones of one another, and it's like watching an old episode of Orphan Black. This gives this offense another elite playmaker, but it makes it an elite-level offense based on the talent that surrounds the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. What are the chances in your mind, do you think? 75, 25, 35? What percent percentage do you think McCaffrey plays every game once he's up to speed? I don't, if he doesn't play this Sunday, that's fine. I don't count that. chance over under 50% chance that Christian McCaffrey doesn't get hurt this year. I I, I wouldn't have risked it, but San Francisco did. All right, coming up, we will get to some more football uh, in about 15 minutes. I don't want to say that uh, Green Bay is burning, but it's starting to warm up. (laughs) It may be on fire if Armageddon happens this weekend. We'll talk about that, but... Drake is the favorite in the uh, Missouri Valley Conference. The voice of the Bulldogs, Michael Admire, coming up next here on ESPN Des Moines. Your formula to win is going to be the same whether you're picked first, you're picked in the middle of the pack, you're picked last. It's just how well can you execute it. We've tried to make sure, again, with all the returning guys, that we maintain our edge, that you don't get complacent uh, with the same drills and those type of things. And I, I think our guys have had an awesome summer and fall in that regards. I think their preparation's been right on point. They're, you know, very determined, as, as we mentioned, you know, coming up a little short. There's still something out there for them that motivates them that they want to accomplish yet before they're done here. Strike head coach Darren DeVries as the Bulldogs are picked to win the Missouri Valley Conference had their media day uh, earlier this week. 
Hard to believe, right? That you're supposed to say it's already basketball season, or you think you're supposed to say that kind of thing, right, at this point. But it feels about right. Although in Des Moines, it's going to be 80 degrees all weekend, so maybe it doesn't quite feel like basketball season at this point. But to uh, talk some Drake Bulldogs basketball, he is the voice of the Bulldogs. He's Michael Admire. Michael, appreciate the time. Hello, how are you, bud? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Michael, I, I just heard uh, Coach DeVries say that things came up a little short uh, during the press conference earlier this week. What did he mean by that? Uh, I mean, it, pretty much exactly what he said. The, the team didn't win the conference championship last year. They, they didn't make it to the NCAA tournament. And that's the, that's the goal every year of this, uh, this program. Talking to Michael Admire, he is the voice of the Drake Bulldogs right here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World. Well, it's a new year. It is a brand new year for you guys. Uh, and lo and behold, you're the favorite. What's it like being the uh, the lead dog, the favorite to win the Missouri Valley Conference? Yeah, I think for, you know, for me just being here since Darren took over and kind of looking back to, you know, what the expectations were and, in that first year and, you know, what the, you know, the temperature around the, the program was at that time, you know, the, the team had just come off a, a 17 and 17 season uh, the year before Darren took over and the fan base was ecstatic uh, for a 500 season. Uh, as we all know, Nico Medved uh, takes the Colorado state job. Uh, the fan base then is, you know, kind of a, a, a kick to the groin that everybody's, frustrated that you know yet another coach had a decent season or a good season and, and bolted and then uh brian harden made the made the biggest hire of of his um uh, of his tenure uh, and bringing in uh coach devries and it's just uh, you know from from that moment on uh the expectations have completely changed around here and you know back-to-back years this team's been tabbed the, the favorite to win it so uh, the, the nice thing is that it's, you know, that is the, you know, the expect the outside expectations match uh, what it's like here in the building. Talking to Michael Admire, voice of the Drake Bulldogs men's basketball team here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Uh, let's talk about his kid, Tucker DeVries. Did the fact that he was the best freshman in the conference last year surprise you? I'm sure it didn't surprise coach, but did it surprise you? <laughs> No, honestly, not, not really. Uh, just knowing what he, you know, he's the Iowa high school basketball player of the year, uh, his senior year at Waukee, uh, you know, helped lead the Warriors to, to two state uh, championship games, won one of them. Uh, so, so you knew what kind of skills he had. I think what, uh, you know, really impressed me about what, what Tucker did is just, you know, coming on campus, uh, he, you know, learned and and took in advice from the older players on the roster and, you know, just continually got better as the season went on. And then I think what has, uh, you know, the thing I kept kind of saying last year is, you know, we knew Tucker was a, a really good shooter. You know, he can knock shots from pretty much anywhere uh, on the court. He can knock those down. But I, I love just how he's able to score at all levels. I mean, he can really, you know, attack the rim, uh, you know, play – uh, right at the rim, he can post up. Uh, his mid-range jumper really blossomed late in the season. You know, he can get to a spot, you know, from 14 feet out, and it's it's like a layup for him. Uh, but then also, you know, he has that dynamic of you can't play off of him and try to defend those two things because uh, he'll he'll take the shot and uh, he's pretty good from outside as well. So just like his development last season, what really impressed me and then seeing just how well he scored at kind of all levels. And, uh, you know, uh, kind of an additional thing as we kind of transition into this season, he put in a ton of work in the off season. And you go into the gym right now, and uh, he looks not only like he was the best freshman in the conference last year, he looks like he was the best, like he'll be the best player in the conference this year. You know, it's always interesting, the offseason from kids freshman year to their sophomore year. Because they're coming in out of high school, they were the best player on their team, or in Tucker's case, the best player in the state. But they still have that high school body. What has the off-season workout program been like for for Tucker and some of these other guys, but specifically him? Because now he's got to make the adjustment, I think, 
or throughout the year, as you talked about, of becoming a bigger player, a bigger role, having a bigger role on this team, and just becoming a college body. Yeah, I think that was uh, another thing from last season that was, uh, you know, coaches brought up a couple times, too, is just that he it, he had to kind of learn the college game and, and kind of understand how he fit. Uh, and, and that, you know, that takes time. And kind of, he, I mean, he really started to understand that late in the season. But now he has a full off season to really understand, like, all right, hey, you know, I got to be able to defend as well. I got to be able to move laterally. Um I need to, you know, be able to be healthy uh, in an entire season. And so uh, kind of having that knowledge from his freshman year, I, I, I know he implemented um, that into his off-season workouts. You know, he was not only doing the stuff that was, you know, provided here at Drake and, and their off-season conditioning, but you just go scroll through his social media and, and, you know, he was doing work with, you know, personal trainers and, and stuff like that all off-season. So, you know, his, his dedication to uh, getting better uh, it has been has been great. And it's I can't wait to see it play, pay, uh, you know, pay off this season. Talking to Michael Admire, voice of Drake men's basketball. Don't forget to follow him on Twitter at Admire underscore on air. The podcast is the all in podcast. Get it wherever you get yours. Season opens uh, coming up in a few weeks. More on the schedule here in a moment. Joining uh, DeVries on the uh the, the all-conference first team, is Roman Penn. He set the record for assists, the program record for assists. It feels like Roman Penn's been here for about nine years. Uh, <laughs> I, I know he got that extra year, the COVID year, and all that kind of stuff, but what has he meant to the program? I mean, I don't think you can really put it into into words. I mean, he is just, uh, I mean, one, he's just an awesome guy. Uh, he lights up a room when he walks into it, you know, always smiling. You know, he's He's had his uh, great moments on the court. You know, talk about the you know all-time assist leader at Drake. He still has a year to go, but you know he, he's dealt with some injuries, and he kind of keeps the same uh, attitude towards everything. And it's just, uh, yeah, he's been such a great culture guy, and really to have somebody you know that was here when Darren started, and you know him along with DJ and, and Garrett Sturtz. Those guys are now, you know, working with Tucker and Connor Enright, and you know, just some of the younger guys that have come into the program. So, uh, you know, you can turn to those guys that are still in the building. They, they didn't leave. You know, they didn't transfer. Uh, with, like many uh, thirteen hundred people, I think, transferred last year. Uh, those guys that have stayed through, and you know, they're still in the building and, and able to not only kind of. Uh, leave a lasting legacy when it comes to their name, but then also, you know, set up Drake for future success. Michael Admire joining us here on ESPN Des Moines, voice of the uh, Drake University men's basketball team. Bulldogs will open up the season against Minnesota Duluth at the Knapp Center in its exhibition game, IUPUI, on the ninth to open the regular season. Who on this team should people expect a big jump from? We've already talked about DeVries, and we, we expect him to be great because he's all big. He's all uh, conference first team. But who is somebody that we're not talking about that you've been watching that you think makes that kind of a jump? Yeah, I think there's a one A 1A who stands way out, and then maybe a one B who uh, people just may not know a ton about right now. One uh, A is Darnell Brody, uh, uh, the big man for the Bulldogs, had uh, has had some really great moments over the last couple of years, uh, but this off season. You know, a kind of a, a similar to Tucker, just really bought in to everything. And just kind of as a caveat, remember this is the first off season in two years that there haven't been COVID restrictions hmm. in in any way. Yeah. So th- these guys are able to fully they were able to fully get in the gym. You know, from uh, the end of the season, all, you know, all the way through now, and go through the entire workout program. So. Uh, Donnell Brody, one of his things that he uh, kind of focused in on this offseason was just kind of losing some weight. And he's he's down a significant number. I don't know exactly what that is. It uh, doesn't extremely matter. But just the fact that he is in game shape, uh, he, he's lighter and uh, can really – I've been impressed with how he's been able to run rim to rim. He's been defending well in practice. And uh, he just has so much energy. 
Uh, I think I think he's a guy that I, I really think, uh, especially without Gage Prim at Missouri State, without him being in the conference, I think Darnell uh, could have one of those seasons that's you know first team, you know all Missouri Valley Conference type season. Um, and then I'd say kind of one B is a guy you know Roman's been hurt most of this off season, uh, re- you know continue to rehab from his his broken foot, so. Connor Enright, a redshirt freshman, has gotten a ton of reps. And I, I think he's – he may not ready to be the guy just yet, uh, but, man, he, he's going to be the best backup point guard in the conference. Michael, the season opens up on uh, November 9th for real against IUPUI. I have volunteered to go to the Caribbean with you for the Paradise Jam. <laughs> uh, our GM has not uh, sent me a plane ticket yet for that matchup with Buffalo. Non-conference looks, looks pretty good. you got Richmond and St. Louis and – a battle with Mississippi State out of the SEC, and then you guys get it going for real with the rest of the uh, the Valley coming up on Thursday, December 29th. Thank you for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a good con- good non-conference. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, some good tests in there. Like you said, the A-10 Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, preseason number one in, in their conference. So, yeah, there, uh, there's some good games at the Knapp Center and on the road, and yeah, we'll see how it all plays out, but uh, the journey starts soon. Journey starts for sure. Don't forget, you can uh, follow Michael on Twitter. He is Admire underscore on air. The podcast is the all-in podcast. Get it wherever you can, and you will hear every Drake men's game right here on ESPN Des Moines. Thank you so much for the time, Michael. I appreciate the love, Mike. Take care. Dogs. See you later. There he is, Michael Admire, voice of the Bulldogs here on ESPN Des Moines. Yeah, Kira, uh, have you heard, did our GM, Stephanie, approve my uh, my request to go cover the Paradise Jam down in the Caribbean? No. It's like in the Bahamas or something like that. Do you need a plus one? Yeah, let's just throw it on the company. All yeah. right, I mean, let's if, go. If there's a radio station with a budget big enough to send two people down, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is it. Oh. We'll be watching that one from home. All right, coming up, <laughs> are things really dire? Are they really dire in Green Bay? This I, diehard Packers fan here. I'll tell you. Plus, uh, people have been asking, how did my Jersey quest go yesterday? I will update you. My wife thinks I cheated. We'll get to that coming up. Sometimes you're just uh, scrolling Twitter. And something just grabs you, and you get sucked in. I just saw a headline or a tweet, and it's all Twitter, so Lord knows if it's real or not. Uh, Whoever Drew Johnson is, Drew P. Johnson, SEC on Twitter. He is a sports reporter who has covered the SEC, the Falcons. His bio says he's a Heisman voter. I know nothing about this person. This person puts out, that Nebraska has informed Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck has become a surprise frontrunner for the Cornhuskers coaching vacancy, and there is strong mutual interest from both parties. Nebraska is interested in Fleck, and Fleck is interested in Nebraska. Now, I don't know if this is, again, rumors are always fun. But if that is true, if P.J. Fleck is a front-runner for the job in Nebraska. Woo! Man, oh, man. Does he even have a winning record at Minnesota? Keep an eye on that one. That may wind up being nothing, but you never know. Here we are in silly season in Nebraska. I I feel like uh, now that he's lost a couple games, Lance Leipold's stock is kind of dropping a little bit. People are simmering on uh, Lance Leipold over at KU. So we'll see. P.J. Fleck, really? Really? All right, uh, getting to the uh, the Green Bay Packers. And my thanks to Michael Admire for coming on from uh, the Drake Bulldogs, talking some basketball here on ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World. Thanks for listening to us here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. We've got uh, the Astros and Yankees tonight. We'll have game three of that series, game four tomorrow. Also, we'll have the uh, the Phillies and the Padres It still sounds so weird that that's what we're saying for the NLCS because I know Major League Baseball really wanted the Dodgers and the Cardinals, but thank God neither team is in. Uh, We'll have some uh, Drake football for you tomorrow. 
And then on Sunday, we have a triple header as well. Two baseball games after we get to uh, the Packers and the Commanders. Speaking of the Packers. Now, if you've listened to this show or you know me, you know I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. I'm actually wearing a Packers hoodie as we sit, speak right now. Um, and it's not good. <laughs> it's not good right now in Green Bay. And I know that there are Packers fans who are wondering, you know, why can't my team make a move like what the San Francisco 49ers did overnight? And they brought in Christian McCaffrey. Or why can't they go after DJ Moore right now? We'll talk about that coming up in a second. Because for some reason, today on ESPN Radio, it must have been let's talk about the Packers day. Because usually they don't get this much attention unless Aaron Rodgers is drinking ayahuasca or saying something about being immunized. But at 3-3, three and three, when you're a team that has won 13 games each of the last three years, you were the favorite to win the North. You have the back-to-back defending MVP. You've got the four-time, quarter, uh, four-time MVP. You, you, you know, you're usually, your expectations are here. So now at 3-3, three and three, in a road game at D.C., and who knows what can happen in D.C., the Packers become a point of conversation, including this from Ryan Clark, who says that there's an implosion possible this weekend. Well, I think this team starts to implode. We Right now, we see coach and quarterback saying different things about what they need to do with the offense. You understand you put all of this work into the defense, all of these draft picks, spent all of this money in free agency, and now that defense isn't playing the way that you expected them to in coming into this season. And this is the first season that Matt LaFleur isn't on pace to win 13 games since he's been the head coach. And there's always been questions about what does Matt LaFleur truly do that Aaron Rodgers doesn't get him to that point to be able to do and so now with this team playing the commanders pay attention to energy pay attention to how bad the green bay packers want to win because if they don't win it it's going to be a huge problem at lambeau now i'm normally sunshine and rainbows and everybody's overreacting but i don't think ryan clark is crazy this feels different right now and an nfl season is very long and usually i'm a don't talk to me till don't talk to me till But if you've watched the Packers in their last two losses to the Giants in London and to the Jets, there's not much Green Bay does well. Now, the solution to a lot of problems, a solution to a subpar passing game and a solution to a subpar running game is fixing your offensive line. And if you watch the Packers offensive line, they don't block anybody. They don't pass protect for Aaron. They don't run block for Aaron Jones. They don't run block for A.J. Dillon. The offensive line, specifically the right side, doesn't look very good. And if they don't get that fixed, it doesn't matter if they bring in DJ Moore. It doesn't matter if they trade for Nelson Aguilar or Chase Claypool or pick your favorite assigned OBJ. If Aaron's running for his life all the time, if there are not holes for Aaron Jones to run through, none of the wide receivers matter. If they fix the offensive line, if they can figure out how to block, all of a sudden the passing game gets better. If they can figure out how to block, the run game gets better. But right now, they don't scare anybody. Offensively, they don't do anything great. Aaron can't throw the ball downfield. They don't have a whole lot of time for Aaron. Uh, He doesn't look terribly accurate at this point. Aaron Jones seems to have disappeared off the, 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 the game plan map. I hope that changes. I just acquired him in fantasy football. That's all this is really about. Uh, but I agree with ESPN's Sam Acho. Nobody's scared of the Packers. I watch the, the Packers, and I don't get intimidated anymore by what I see. Like before, it was like, well, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to figure it out. Even if it's not Devontae Adams, it's, gonna, it's Aaron Rodgers is going to do something. Here, it's nothing. You see drop passes, even from the backs. You see uh, fumbles. You don't see anything that gives you any pause. And so that's the issue for me with this Packers team. They're not striking fear into anyone. I I agree with Acho, and I'm as optimistic as there is about the Green Bay Packers. Oh, as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance. Oh, as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance. That's not the case right now because they don't do anything great. No, I was was in an interesting Twitter conversation. Follow me at Mike Wicked, two T's. I was in an interesting conversation on Twitter with somebody. Name Name a Packer who's better this year than last year. And it's hard to do. It's not Aaron. It's not Aaron Jones, not A.J. Dillon. It's, it's, to me, it's David Bakhtiari because he's playing. It's Jair Alexander because he's playing. I think it's Rob Tunyon is better right now than he played a year ago. 
it was the special teams unit outside of their returner up until a punt and a field goal got blocked by the Jets. So I can't, like, no, most players on this team are playing worse than they did a year ago. I thought Randall Cobb probably played better because more was demanded of him without Devontae Adams this year. And now he popped his ankle. Hopefully he comes back. Who knows? But the Green Bay Packers don't scare anybody. And it sucks to say that as a Packers fan, but they don't scare anybody. It doesn't mean they're done. I mean, you think about, you know, where the Bengals were at this point last year. And they they got good and they got hot in the postseason. It happens all the time. And ESPN's Keyshawn Johnson wouldn't be surprised at all if Green Bay actually did some damage as a wild card team. There's plenty of teams that have won the Super Bowl that have not had home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And clearly Green Bay has had those 13 and 3 seasons, 13 and 4 seasons and been at home. The one year that Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl, he had to do it basically as a wild card. And teams have done that. So when I look at them, maybe it is better to have a game, uh, two games on the road, or a game at home and two games on the road, or whatever the case may be, to get to the ultimate goal, which is to get to the Super Bowl, then try and win it. I don't disagree with that. I will guarantee you this. The line is, you come to Lambeau in January, it's the frozen tundra, it's, it's our turf, it's we're used to it. Nobody likes playing in that weather. Brett Favre didn't like playing in that. You're just, you do it for a month before a team from Tampa comes up. Or you do it for a month before a team from L.A. comes to your building. You do it after Thanksgiving, all December, or three weeks out of December or January. You're used to it. You don't like it. If you got any of the Packers off mic or off camera and said, where would you rather play the first playoff game in January? Lambeau or Miami? Or Lambeau or Tampa? or anywhere warm, they're going to take anywhere warm. No one likes playing when it's 14 below zero. I have been to a cold, a couple of cold-weather playoff games at Lambeau. I have been to January football at Lambeau. No one likes it, all right? It's cool from a nostalgia. I'm 41. Maybe at 21, I liked it more, but I am an old man. I don't want to sit outside for three and a half, four hours in the cold, on metal benches. I can't imagine not having sleeves and standing on the sideline and catching passes, but I can't feel my fingers. They, if you, I'm telling you, I know it'll never happen, and we all love seeing the snowfall at Lambeau Field and how cold it is and the ice bowl and all that crap. Nobody would prefer to play in that weather versus Tampa weather, Houston weather, L.A. weather. And when Green Bay did win the Super Bowl, seemingly forever ago, as the sixth seed, they went on the road. They did it against Philly. I think there was a game against the Bears, so Chicago is still pretty freaking cold. Philly wasn't the warmest place in the world, and they did it against Atlanta in the Dome. All right? I guarantee you, if if Aaron Rodgers could map out, you know, postseason playoff spots, it'd be like Minnesota, Atlanta, New Orleans. <laughs> That's where everybody wants to play. You're faster, you're warmer, it's a controlled environment. But if the Packers don't get this figured out sometime soon, like two days from now, listen to ESPN's Rob Ninkovich because I think, I don't know if he's totally right, but I'm leaning his way. The Packers have a lot more going on than just the receiving core. So can't stop the run, Mm -mm. special teams issues, Mm -mm. offensive line. Aaron Rodgers has hit the turf a bunch this season. If they lose this game, season's over. I don't know if season's over. But it's darn three and four with nine to play or 10 to play. I'm still not used to 17. I mean, with nothing going right, I don't care who they trade for. Again, I don't care if it's DJ Moore, who, by the way, they're not going to give up unless you give them a boatload. Chase Claypool makes a lot more sense. He's a lot more affordable for the Green Bay Packers, who, because they're paying Aaron Rodgers a bajillion dollars, they don't have a lot of cap space. The cap isn't really real, but... They can afford Claypool a lot more. He can stretch the field. He can take the ball out of the backfield. He fits Lafleur's scheme. He can block. That would make more sense. But you're going to have to give up a lot to get that. What's that number? I don't know. Packers fans don't care. They want this has to be the last magical run. Last year was the last dance, right? Maybe this year can be a last dance. But none of it matters. Unless, A, 
they block, and B, they figure out a way to play consistent, aggressive defense because they're soft on that side of the ball. Ninkovich isn't wrong. He's not wrong at all. All right, coming up. Kira? Yes, Wicked? You get to be the judge and whether or not what I did was legit. Oh, God. Or did I cheat? Oh, God. Okay? All right. One hundred two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. All right. So Kira, here's the deal. My name mm-hmm. is Mike Wicket. By the way, this is Wicket's World. Have you ever heard of Jersey Flock? No. Jerseyflock.com. It's a website that sells jerseys. Makes right. sense. I know, right? Yeah. Crazy idea. Mm. So they will often have these contests where you say how much, how many retweets. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicket. Follow us at ESPN DSM. Kira would give you uh, their Twitter handle, but no interest. No. Nope. Don't follow Don't Kira. Don't follow me. All right. Don't follow me on Twitter. So I said, how many retweets for a Christian Watson jersey, the Packers' second-round pick? All right. 625 within 48 hours. All right. All right. See? I'm showing you that's what the response was, right? Yes. So Correct. I, uh, I begin putting it out there, and I think within an hour I had about 60... Okay. All right. I'm starting to lose interest in this. All right. But I want the jersey, but I have three kids. I have a morning show. I'm tired. I'm absent minded. <laughs> so what do I do? I buy retweets. You can do that. Do you know that? Uh, no. I bought well, 500 retweets for 10 bucks. Whoa. Yeah. And I and I needed them in a day because I got forty eight hours. Okay. So it says you need them in it. They'll they'll get uh, delivered, aka you'll get retweeted, in a day or two, one to two days. So I'm like perfect. I hit refresh ten. I hit refresh sixty. I hit refresh. I'm over five hundred within forty minutes. Whoa. I'm, I got to get to six hundred and twenty five, right? Yes. I blow. I I mean I I, I pass it. I get to six twenty eight. But I get a DM from Jersey Flock from mm-hmm. the company who's, remember, all they said was retweets. You get 625 retweets, you win the jersey. Yes. Hi, Mike. I'm not sure it was you or somebody else, but someone bought retweets for your challenge. If you scroll through the retweets, most of them are zero follower accounts that don't follow you and don't have any relation to the Packers. Unfortunately, this disqualifies you from the competition. Oh. I wrote back, that was not stipulated in any way. Are you kidding me? It didn't need to be stipulated. Buying retweets obviously disqualifies you from the challenge. It also obviously wasn't us who bought the retweets. We've given away 100 jerseys so far. We actually want people to win since the traffic to our page is well worth it. Now, I think it's a brilliant marketing campaign by this company. Because if you if I retweet something 600 times, maybe 30 people are going to visit the site and they're going to sell 10 jerseys. Mm-hmm. Boom, free marketing. You just sold 10 jerseys. Mm-hmm. All right. I think it's a, gr- a great idea by Jersey Flock. They wrote, I'm not sure if you were involved in buying the retweets or not, but there's nothing we can do. I responded, oh, I totally bought them. (laughs) Absolutely, I bought them. But there were no rules. I said, you owe me a jersey. You said if I got 625 retweets, I would get a jersey. I got 625 retweets. 90% of them aren't from this country. None of them uh, have followers. But I got 625 retweets. Retweets. I said, it's your call if you don't want to pay up. Perhaps you do need to stipulate this in the future. You seem kind of shady, but I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. <laughs> I had fun with it yesterday. <laughs> Cost me 10 bucks to have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, did I cheat? Okay. Did I cheat? People, people of the world of Facebook, hear me out. I don't think you did. No? I don't think you did. Did I cheat? No. Did I do it legit? Okay. <laughs> I think you did what Wicket does and rode the gray area and <laughs> saw how close to trouble you could get into. But I don't think you cheated. If they if they did not state... Thank you, Kara. You're a person of great intellect. My wife, I told my wife about this. She walked in. I told my wife this yesterday. She said, really? And she gave me that eye, you know, that disapproving mm. Wi-Fi. <laughs> Wi-Fi. Yeah. She could she's she said that's that's not allowed. I said, no, the game was the game was you get six hundred and twenty-five retweets. And I'm at like six See, as soon as I got six twenty-eight. Yeah. 
So that's the thing. If they never said anywhere explicitly. Never, never. You cannot buy retweets or you will be disqualified. Doesn't say it. That is exactly why Jenny Bessman, promotions director extraordinaire, yes, here. writes like really thorough rules. This, so stuff like this. Mm -hmm. So the Mike Wickets of the world yep. can't do stuff like this. I, I found a loophole. <laughs> I found the loophole. I got 625 retweets. Jersey Flock owes me a Christian Watson jersey. <laughs> I'm never going to see it. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But... I mean, come on. <laughs> I at least think in the future they need to put that in the fine print. Yes. But they're um, like, well, it obviously uh, disqualifies you. No, it doesn't. You didn't say I couldn't do it. Plus, I mean, I, would I have gotten 625 over two days? I don't know. <laughs> they would have got a 620. They would have got a lot of retweets. Mm -hmm. uh, also, side note, can yeah. we purchase your wife a shirt that says free wife eye ah uh, yeah she gave me that yeah yesterday <laughs> yeah, she gave me that one yesterday so that was my um i feel like i need a gavel that was that was my story let, let me know follow me on twitter at mike wicket two t's you can see the whole conversation i read i took screenshots i don't care jersey flock's never going to sponsor this show they should but they're never going to sponsor this show they're never going to sponsor a podcast I'm never going to be like, I would love to, because I, I think their product is great. I think their marketing is really smart. I think their ethics are questionable, but I also think maybe mine are. But it doesn't matter. I didn't cheat. I did not break the rules. I didn't get 622 retweets and be like, oh, come on, I'm close. Can't break the rules if there are no rules. Smart. That's a gift, Jeff. Since that one guy who looks in the camera and does this, points to his head. Yep. So, yeah, that happened yesterday. Um that was my first world problem earlier today. The contest I won lost. Now I have to go buy my own Christian Watson jersey or ask Santa for it. Uh, real quick, uh, do I got about three minutes left, Kara? More than? Okay, cool. So this week, Tua Tagovailoa is going to play football on Sunday Night Football. The Dolphins play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Last time we saw Tua was that Thursday night game against Cincinnati when he had his head slammed off the turf for the second time in four days, and his fingers all went different directions in that neuro reaction, neurological reaction to uh, head trauma called fencing. That's when his fingers go all the different ways. He was taken to uh, University of Cincinnati Hospital, and then for some reason, I think we talked about, he got a, a flight. He was on the flight home, even though he probably didn't need to be rushed back. Hasn't been on the field till this week, and Mike McDonald said he's going to play. I worry for Tua. I do. I know you can't live your life in fear, but, I mean, we are talking about a guy who had two concussions in four days. They even fired the independent investigator who allowed Tua to go back in on that Sunday game four days before the Thursday night game where he, I mean, that was one of the scariest sights you'll, you'll see on a football field. And I worry because... I, I realize what is at stake for Tua. I can't relate to it, but I realize what is at stake. A quarter billion dollar contract. A $200 million. Hundreds of millions of dollars guaranteed. That's waiting for Tua. If he can have a good rest of the year. And I know how important money is to some people. Heck, money's important to me. I don't make a lot of it. I don't make Tua money. And that kind of money is not just life-changing it's generational wealth it's generation changing money but if you there is not going to be a football fan watching sunday night who's not going to cringe every time tua gets hit max kellerman who uh does the morning show here on espn des moines on Keyshawn j will and max max made his his bones in this business covering boxing and if there's a sport that knows about head trauma better than football, it is boxing. And Kellerman has called a lot of fights and talked to a lot of fighters. And this morning, he was talking about the concern for Tua. If you were knocked out in a prize fight, right, there's a mandatory waiting period of months before you can get in there again. Now, the issue with Tua for me, guys, in my experience watching boxing, for example, is not just that he got a concussion and he couldn't play again, right, but the fact that they brought him back four 
days after he clearly had a neurological event take place mm-hmm. at, because of a knock on the head, right? Four days later, they brought him back, and he got concussed again. To me, now I wonder what's going to happen the next time he gets hit. In other words, sometimes it like short circuits a guy's wiring, where from then on out, whenever he gets tapped in the head, he's done. And this is, we see this in boxing a lot. Now, granted, they don't have helmets on, but the fists are covered by gloves. Here, they have helmets on, but it doesn't matter. Your head bounces off the ground like that. Your brain gets shake, shake, shaken. Your bread gets shook. Your brain gets bruised. I mean, here's Keyshawn talking about Tua, not just thinking about this year, but the future. I'm not a doctor, nor do I claim to be a doctor. I just know what I see. I've been around players that have had concussions and come back a week or two later, and they barely get tapped, and they're out for three, four weeks. Mm-hmm. They come back, they barely get tapped, they're out for the rest of the season. I've been around that. So my whole thing is I understand medically clear. Okay, he's medically cleared. But doesn't mean that you have to go out there and play and participate in the situation right now. Look, hopefully these sort of things will not come back and they won't occur again, and he'll be able to get through the game. I get it. The Dolphins can't win the AFC East without Tua. Bridgewater sucks. Skylar Thompson sucks. They can't win this division and compete with the Bills and make the playoffs and take the step and make the Tyreek Hill trade worth it and the amount of money they've already paid him. But I worry for Tua, and I'll be watching on Sunday night, and I hope he doesn't get hit, but it's a football game. Steelers are a desperate team. You're on national TV. I I worry for Tua Tagovailoa. It's scary, and I, I think you need to protect him from himself. I don't think Tua should play the rest of the year, and at the earliest, December. But that's just, uh, it's football, man. These guys got to get out there. They want to play. They want to win. They want to make that money. Thanks to Michael Admire for joining us. If you missed anything, podcast it at ESPNDesMoines.com. Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. We have got uh, lots of baseball all weekend and football. Live sports. We got live sports here on ESPN Des Moines. Have a great weekend. Yeah,